What up, son? It's the tale of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. The fuck like, you know what I'm saying? Season 2, episode 13, Tale of the Tapes. On today's episode, we got Spice One and Grandmaster Kaz. So personally, I'm having a bit of a rough day today, but oddly enough, I'm pretty excited for this episode right now. Not really because of the artists involved or anything like that, but probably more so because of the weather. Weather's really nice right now, and just for the record, I'm leaving my back door open today, and I don't care if it affects the quality, so enjoy the lovely sounds of nature. <laughs> now, I spoke last week about how Grandmaster Kaz was really around in the 70s, but didn't seem to put out an album until 1992, so it'll be interesting to see how he fares off in a decade that he's somewhat out of place in. But um, we'll start off with Spice One first because his debut album was out before Grandmaster Kaz, ironically enough. Um, both of them were in 1992, so Spice One had his debut album in 1992. And uh, his birth name is Robert Lee Green Jr., also known as Fetty Chico, born July 2nd, 1970 in Corsicana, Texas. Origins Haywood, California, United States. Genres are listed as gangster rap, hip-hop, and horrorcore. And his years active are listed as 1988 to present. So, a little bit of a background on Spice One. Robert Lee Green Jr., born July 2nd, 1970, better known by his stage name Spice One, which is an acronym for Sex, Pistols, Indo, Cash, and Entertainment, is an American rapper from Haywood, California. He began releasing albums in 1992. So... If anybody that's never heard of this guy, um, he was friends with Tupac. You know, I don't want to say he was Tupac's best friend or, or anything too crazy like that. You know, it wasn't like Tupac's right-hand man or nothing like that. But uh, him and Tupac were cool and stuff like that. I, I know that they knew each other personally. And this guy obviously never had the commercial success or the impact of Tupac or anything like that. But nonetheless, a West Coast guy here whose name I did know, but I didn't really know anything of him. But he winds up making the cut, so... I wouldn't necessarily use the word bad when describing Spice One, but he was rather pointless to sum it up. From listening to his music, you would think he is serving 20 consecutive life sentences for committing so many murders. The majority of his songs were about the same nothings. Bar A didn't really always have anything to do with Bar B, and most rhymes were simplistic in one or two syllables. He wasn't bad at keeping a topic or telling a story, and he did have some decent lines, but he was very repetitive, especially with spelling his name, and even most of his decent lines were super simple. Although he did seem to improve a tiny bit after his 10-year hiatus, he was still usually only rhyming one rhyme per bar and finished just below average lyrically overall. Spice One had a pretty big catalog with 14 albums and 194 songs. Of those 14 albums, all of them were borderline good average, and of the 194 songs, he did not have a single great song, only 15 good ones, and another 10 were weak. Spice One's impact on hip-hop as a whole certainly wasn't a huge one, although he did influence artists such as Nas, Naughty by Nature, DMX, and a few others. When it came to originality, Spice One was a little sporadic. Image-wise, slang, content, etc., he was your typical West Coast gangster rapper. 
He did have a handful of original songs and seemed to invent this stutter style of rhyming, but he also borrowed an extreme amount of material from other artists before him, particularly Tupac. So let's get into that math a little bit. Lyrics, he gets a four and a half as we spoke just below average. Again, I wouldn't use bad to describe this guy at all. It, it just, it was repetitive. It was simple. Um, I couldn't really figure out exactly what this guy brought to the game. Uh, albums, he gets a 3.39 with zero classics. Songs, he gets a minus 0.52. So he loses about a half of a point, which it's, it's not huge. You know, it's not even a full point, but... It is way more than the tiny little decimal places that most people either gain or lose. And again, you have to look at it as a scenario where somebody else might be gaining a half a point. He's losing a half a point. So now it becomes a whole point. So, you know, you put yourself in one of these situations where you have an opportunity to grab points. And instead of grabbing points, you're losing points. So even though it might not even be a whole point, it's not really a great look to lose points in the songs category. But... To lose anywhere near or above a whole point really, really puts a damper or a huge plus, obviously, on your score. But a half a point lost here in the songs category for Spice 1 as he had 10 weak songs and no great ones. Um, Impact, he gets a four and a half, which, you know, you got Nas, Naughty by Nature, DMX, and a handful of other people that were influenced by his music and things like that. But, I mean, certainly nowhere near a household name not even inside the hip-hop community. I mean, I'm not saying that Spice One is unknown. But, I mean, even inside the hip-hop community, you could ask a bunch of people that listen to hip-hop if they know who Spice One is. And you're definitely going to get a decent amount of no's. So, between no records really set or broke or, you know, anything astonishing being done as far as record sales or all-time things or firsts and stuff like that. None of that is there. The household name is not there. The major commercial success is not there. The giant list of, of huge names influence is not there. So, again, I mean, the guy's not a zero or a one or anything like that, but he does get a below average score in this category. And then originality, he gets the exact same score, four and a half. So, I think that that kind of shows you right there what kind of artist Spice One is. I mean, he gets just below average lyrically, gets just below average in impact, just below average in originality. So... This was kind of a recurring theme for Spice One here where he was, again, not bad, but below average in pretty much every single category. So you add all those five numbers up and you divide by five and you get a final rating of 3.27, leaving him in 150th place of 156 artists done overall. So obviously not a strong finish there for Spice One finishing in the bottom 10, but shout outs to him for doing his thing and making the cut for sure because as we spoke about, there's plenty of people that didn't make this cut. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that Spice One is better than anybody who didn't make the cut. It just means that Spice One found his way in here while other people didn't. So while there probably are people that didn't make the cut that are technically better than Spice One... There are plenty of people that didn't even make the cut. So that's kind of just the point that I'm trying to make is at least this guy did make the cut. And again, you know, not a two in lyrics, not a two here, not a two there. So, you know, his scores aren't trash, but when you get below average in every single category, it's certainly going to be very, very hard to finish anywhere decent.
Now, moving on to Grandmaster Kaz, who, as we said, he also had his debut album in 1992. Um, I'll get I'll get a little bit more into this in a second. Let me just get you some information on Grandmaster Kaz, and then we'll get into a couple other things. His birth name is Curtis Brown, also known as Casanova Fly. Born April 18, 1960 in the Bronx, New York City, New York. Genres listed as hip-hop and years active are listed as 1978 to present. Let's get a little bit of a background here on Grandmaster Kaz. Curtis Brown, born April 18, 1960, better known by his stage name Grandmaster Kaz or Casanova Fly, is an American rapper, songwriter, and DJ. He currently works as a celebrity tour guide for Hush Hip Hop Tours, a hip-hop cultural sightseeing tour company in New York City, and is a board member of the Kennedy Center's Hip Hop Council, Hip Hop Ambassador and board member for Windows of Hip Hop and CEO of GMC Entertainment Incorporated. So, first of all, I spoke about how this guy was around in the 70s. So this guy, you know, quite frankly, is is an originator in hip hop. And, and I don't mean originator as in he invented hip hop or created hip hop or anything like that, but we didn't even start covering people until 1980 in this study. So we spoke about before how hip hop, when you break it down to its roots, has been around for a very, very long time. But hip hop as an actual genre of music, a mainstream genre of music that is listed on, you know, websites or in stores and albums being classified as hip hop albums and being in their own category and things like that. That really didn't start coming around until about 1980. So while hip-hop surely dates back to before 1980, hip-hop in the, in the mainstream music industry and having its own lane carved out and having albums that are hip-hop albums, concrete hip-hop albums labeled as hip-hop albums and stuff like that, that really didn't start till about 1980, which is where we started covering this study. And, you know, I just want to point out that this guy has been around since prior to that. So I'm not exactly sure why he didn't have an album until 1992. And quite frankly, even though he had an album in 1992, it was still a little bit weird going through his discography because you have these albums that are released in certain years. But when you look at the info on the albums, it will tell you like Tough City Sessions 1982 through 1988. And things like that. And then rare and unreleased old school hip-hop 86-87. Which wound up dropping in 2006. So you have a lot of these things where you have these compilation albums. Or these albums that are put together over 5 or 10 year period. So I do remember it was very difficult when trying to really hammer down what Grandmaster Kaz's discography and his catalog looked like in total. And what counted and what didn't count and what year he officially came out in and stuff like that. So again, I just want to make it clear that we're really dealing with a rapper probably from the 70s here. Or an MC, you know, whatever you want to call him. Who's really from the 70s era. Or, you know, 1980 when this all started and just isn't down as having any official albums until 1992. And by formula of what we're doing here... In the study, we're going to put Grandmaster Kaz in 1992 because we're putting everybody where their debut solo albums came out. You know, it just makes it too hairy and sketchy when you start going by, yeah, well, you know, what 
But what year did everybody start hearing about him? Well, I heard about him this year. Well, I heard about him this year. Oh, I didn't even hear about him until the second album came out. So it just makes things kind of iffy. So, I, you know, this is something where I want things to be very, very black and white. So Grandmaster Kaz's first solo album was in 1992, and that's where Grandmaster Kaz will be covered. So with that being said, I want to talk a little bit now about what we read in his background. So you you have me here telling you, obviously, that this guy is a pioneer. This guy is an OG. This guy has been around since the quote-unquote beginning. Um, and is certainly an OG when it comes to hip-hop, for sure. And then you see these things in his background where, first of all, he's not just a rapper. He's a songwriter and a DJ, which is not surprising. I mean, anybody that was around in that 80s era... They either DJ or they break dance or, you know, a lot of those guys were really more about the elements of hip-hop, which we spoke about in the introductory episode to the 80s. But those guys are really, really very big on the elements of hip-hop and things like that. And they put a lot of weight and importance on things like that. So to see that this guy is also a songwriter and a DJ on top of being a rapper does not surprise me. And knowing that this guy has been involved in hip-hop since the 70s, you know, seeing that he's a celebrity tour guide for Hush Hip Hop Tours and a board member of the Kennedy Center Hip-Hop Council and hip-hop ambassador and board member for Windows of Hip-Hop and, you know, things like that, you can obviously see that this is one of those guys that has been around since, like like I said, quote-unquote, the beginning and has been involved in hip-hop in obviously many more ways than just one, which would be being a rapper. But today he's here being covered as a rapper. So that's obviously how he will be scored. He's being covered here in 1992 because that's when his debut solo album came up. And with all that being said, let's get into what I wrote down about Grandmaster Kaz when I was listening to him. Grandmaster Kaz had songs out in the early 80s, but never officially released a hip-hop album until 1992. I was surprised to see some of the difficulties I had finding a lot of info on such an OG like Kaz. Lyrically, he was all over the place. He certainly had plenty of dope lines, but also had a lot of run-on bars, especially early on. He showed the ability to both have multi-syllabic rhymes and to rhyme a lot of words per bar, but never seemed able to combine the two. It was always either one or the other. He was excellent at being able to keep a topic throughout, but was inconsistent from song to song and finished average overall lyrically. Surprisingly enough, he only qualified two official hip-hop albums 16 years apart, but both albums were good. Of his 36 qualified songs, one was great and six were good, but two were also weak. Kaz did have a few original songs or messages, but he also borrowed a lot, particularly from 50 Cent, especially considering the small official body of work. So let's get into the math here, which was a little tricky. This is another one. We talk about Little Nation and people like that where they had one album. I believe Chi Ali was another one that had like one album and things. So it's a little bit it's a little bit tougher to get where people are really going, engage a lot of info on people when you got one or two albums and twenty songs or thirty songs and things like that. With somebody like Biggie, who had the commercial success and the impact and was killed early and stuff like that. It's a little bit easier to gauge. I mean, when somebody only has one or two albums and still has the impact that the you know Biggie had and stuff like that, it's kind of the opposite. It kind of speaks volumes to to say you know hey, this person was only around for for three years and only had two albums, but look at the amount of people that sampled them. 
Look at the amount of people that bring their name up and say that that person who influenced them. Look at the amount of people that took lines from them. Look at the amount of people that redid their songs or their beats or sampled their interviews or sampled their bars or their music or whatever. So it's kind of one of those opposite situations where somebody like Biggie, the fact that they only had one or two albums or somebody like Big L makes it a little bit easier to gauge where they were going because they accomplished so much in such a little period of time in such a small body of work where this is quite the opposite. You have somebody here who's been around since the 70s but has a very, very small body of work and obviously is very big in the hip-hop community but as a rapper, what did they really do? So let's get into the math here. Lyrics, he gets a five. Like I said, a little bit all over the place. We had dope lines. We had multi-syllabic rhymes. We had a lot of rhymes per bar. We had single-syllable rhymes. We had things where he was able to do one thing or maybe able to do another thing, but never really able to combine the two of them together. Um, he was able to keep a topic and stuff like that, but was inconsistent from song to song and things. So all these things just kind of averaged each other out, and all these things kind of just equaled each other out, and he... He stayed pretty much at average lyrically for the most part. I do remember, I believe, him being a bit below average earlier on. And then a little bit later, he was a bit above average, which kind of carried him back to being average. And then albums, he gets a 3.96, which is about a half a point higher than the score that Spice 1 got. Songs, he gets a minus 0.27, which is almost exactly half of what Spice 1 got. Spice 1 had a minus 0.52. Kaz has a minus 0.27. Now, Kaz did that in a number of ways also. So he did have one great song, whereas Spice One didn't. And Kaz only had two weak songs, whereas Spice One had ten weak songs. But, that being said, Spice One also had a much bigger body of work than Kaz had. So each song that Kaz had that was great or that was weak was a little bit more impactful on his score than, say, Spice One's was because he had more songs out. Impact was a tricky one here for Kaz. He gets a five. I had to leave him right in the middle because, you know, when you look at the tangible things like records sold, body of work, the size of the catalog, number of songs, number of artists directly influenced, which was really nothing. There really wasn't anybody there for me to, you know, go out of my way and name here and say that it was clear that Grandmaster Kaz did something that resulted in this person making a song that could have never been made had it been for Grandmaster Kaz. So while there might have been some on there and there certainly were influences that he had on people as a rapper, there really wasn't anything clear cut and dry that I can name anybody. So it's a slippery slope. You got a guy that's around from the very beginning and is around for a very long time, but certainly isn't a household name in or out of the hip hop community has a very small body of work. It's just one of those things where I had to keep him in the middle. I had to keep him even because there's just things leaning on either side. And just like lyrically, you know, there's some run on bars. There's some this. He's able to do this, but not do this with it. There's some dope lines. There's, you know, it was a lot of give and take on both things there. Lyrics and impact. And then originality, same thing. He gets a five in originality as well. And that was the same type of thing as the other categories, where there's give and take on both sides. You know, you have, you have to give them some sort of credit in the originality category just for being around in the 70s and being around. So, I mean, 
you have to be somewhat original to be one of the originators of something. That being said, he didn't influence many people and he did take things from a lot of people. So as I mentioned, there was a 16 year period where there was no albums put out. So from 1992 to 2008, there's nothing. And then in 2008, he comes out and on the album in 2008, he did take a lot of things from other people prior to him. So again, a lot of give and take in that category. There was nothing really overly original about him. He did have some original songs and he did talk about, you know, he had some messages that he was getting out that were definitely original, but lacked in some other areas of originality. So again, that evens out. So it's kind of odd because these two guys not only have nothing to do with each other, but are not from the same era are not from the same area or anything like that, but very similar scores. So in Spice 1, you have a guy who's just below average in everything. Lyrics, 4.5. Impact, 4.5. Originality, 4.5. And And then in Grandmaster Kaz, you have something very close, but it's just even on everything. Lyrics, 5. Impact, 5. Originality, 5. So let's see what the difference made up here is for somebody that finishes just below average in every category to somebody that finishes just about average in every category. So you add those five numbers up and you divide by five and you get a final score of 3.74, which puts him in 129th place of 156 artists done overall. So not a bottom 10 finish for Grandmaster Kaz. You can see that he only beat Spice 1 by a half a point or less pretty much in every category, but again, that carries him 21 spots ahead. So it's not major, but it's somewhat significant, and if the chips fall where they've been laying for the past couple of years that I've been doing this, and we're a third of the way through, when this is all said and done, these two will probably be separated by something more similar to about 60 spots. So you're looking at a half a point, really, in each category, separating somebody by 60 spots. So it just goes to show you how much it does make a difference that this guy was a little bit better lyrically, a little bit better with his impact, a little bit better with his originality, and, you know, not a tremendous finish for either artist here today, but not everybody can be in that top 10. So, I mean, even if your bottom guys are still great rappers, which I'm not saying they are, but I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. Even if your bottom guys are great, great rappers, somebody has to be in the bottom. We got nearly 500 names that we're running through right here. And I hate to break it to you, but somebody's going to be in 500th and 499th. No matter whether you like it or not, somebody's got to be down there. So shout outs to everybody that's in here. Shout outs to these guys today for sure. Not tremendous finishes, but... I mean, four and a half and five lyrically. We've had guys that have gotten like threes or two and a halves and things like that lyrically. So again, I want to make it clear. I'm not saying that these guys are bad. Average and just below average lyrically. And really average and just below average in, in every category, in every subject there. So I'm not trying to knock these guys at all, but the math doesn't add up for them. And they finish relatively in the back here. So let's get into the current list. Obviously, we're doing our top 15% here today. And there are no changes in this list today as there were from last week at all. So in our top spot, we got Tupac, who's tied for 8th place of 156 artists done overall. Behind him, we got Pharaoh Manch, who's in 10th place. Two slots back in 12th is KRS-One. Behind him is Jizza, who's in 14th place. Two slots back behind him is Slick Rick in 16th place. 
And then Rakim is another two slots back in 18th place. Going a little bit further back, we got Rev Run of Run DMC, who's in 23rd place, LL Cool J, who's in 24th, MF Doom, who's in 25th, and then a couple of slots back, we got Will Smith, who's in 27th place. A little bit further back from that, tied for 30th place of 156 artists done overall, we have DMC of Run DMC and Ice Cube. So that is our top 15% overall list here today. And like I said, no changes again today in this one. But obviously, shout outs to everybody in that top 15%. They're still hanging on to their, their spot for at least one more week here. And I, I do find it a little interesting. I know that we didn't add any names here today. But it's still kind of saying something when we don't add names. Because even though no names were added to this list today... I still did finish more people. I still did listen to more people and more names were added. I added names of people that I finished listening to over the past week or two. And I also added these two guys' names to the overall list of people covered in our podcast, which is another two people. So out of all that, it goes to show you that these people that have their spots in the top 15% overall here so far have held on to their spots, and while they may not have necessarily moved up, or we may not have added any names, they did just beat out a couple of more people. Because whoever I finished this week didn't finish in front of them, and the two people that we're adding here today, Spice One and Grandmaster Kaz, didn't finish in front of either one of them. So I still think it's interesting when we, we don't add names to this list to see who can hang on to this spot. We had some people that were hanging on to a last name spot here in the top 15% overall, they hung on to it for a while, and then they were booted out. Then you had some people like uh, Big Daddy Kane, who's been in and out, in and out, in and out for the past pretty much year, basically, that we've been covering this stuff. So it'll be interesting to see if him or anybody else can fight their way back in. And it'll be interesting to see how long DMC and Ice Cube can hang on to their spots for. Do they ever go away? Do they ever go away or do they stay in the top 15 or the top 10% overall forever? So it's intriguing to see every week whether we have new names in this list or not. What goes on with the people that are already there? Can they hang on to it? Which is just as exciting as will somebody else crack the top 15%. But let's get into our current top 10% lyrically. And nothing changes here today either. In our top lyrical spot, we got Pharaoh Monch with a score of 8.5. Tied for second behind Pharaoh Monch, we have Master Ace and Jizza with lyrical scores of 7.5. We have another tie for fourth place behind those two with KRS-One and Lord Finesse both getting lyrical scores of 7. And then we have our five-way tie for sixth place with Will Smith, Rakim, Cool G Rap, Everlast, and Tupac all with lyrical scores of 6.5 and, and hanging on to the last spot of our top 10% lyrically. Like I said, expect this list to stay the same more often than the other list probably, except for maybe the top five of the 80s. This list will change for sure, and it obviously is subject to change, but it's certainly not going to change every week, and it's probably not going to change very often, quite frankly. So let's get into some of our other lists that we've been going over. We'll start with our top five rappers to make their debut in the 80s. Like we just spoke about, this really shouldn't change very much, so let's just hop right into it. Top 5 rappers to make their debut in the 80s. Number 1, KRS-One. Number 2, Slick Rick. Number 3, Rakim. Number 4, Revron of Run DMC. And number 5, LL Cool J. Do not forget about the legends, man. 
if any of these guys, you know, some are still in our top 15% overall, some aren't. But regardless of whether they're in the top 15% overall or not, it does not matter. These five guys right here, at least at the current moment in time that we're at in this study, 2021, these five guys are the fucking head honchos of the 1980s. These guys are legends. They're pioneers. They paved the way. They've been in it essentially from the very beginning, at least from the very first decade that this really became... Um, you know, a mainstream music thing. And regardless of where these guys finish overall when all is said and done, these five guys need to have their names rattled off every week. We need to not get lost in the 90s and 2000s and forget where we came from. These five guys were incredible. They're absolute fucking legends. Don't forget their names. Gods of their respective decades for sure. Now, since we're in the 90s, let's get into our top five rappers to make their debut in the 90s so far. As obviously, we're only up to 1992 so far, so we haven't covered all the 90s. And this list will change, but it's, it's going to stay the same today. And it probably won't change any every week anymore like it used to. But our top five rappers to make their debut in the 90s so far. At our number one spot, Tupac. Number two, Pharaoh Monch. Number three, Jezza. Number four, MF Doom, and number five, Everlast. So I won't give these guys the praise just yet that I'm giving the guys from the 80s because, quite frankly, all five of these guys could be kicked out in another five weeks. I doubt that's going to happen. I'm just trying to make a point that we don't know if these guys are going to stay here. So while they do seem like the leaders of their decade right now, they may not stay the leaders of their decade, but I think it's important enough to note that they are at the top of their respective decade right now. So all the lists stayed exactly the same today, which is a little bit anticlimactic, but it's also nice for the guys trying to hang on to the top respective spots on lists and stuff like that. There will certainly be plenty more weeks that go by where these lists don't change. Not everybody gets in the top of something every time they come out. So, I mean, sometimes these lists are going to stay the same for a month or so. And sometimes these lists are going to have dramatic changes one week after the other. So if you'd like to see any of the lists in full, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash tale of the tapes podcast. You can also give the host website a visit at www.anchor.fm slash tale of the tapes. You can hit the support button on there and send your boy Formsy over some bills. Always appreciated. And that's about it for episode 13 today, man. Next week, we got Pete Rock and CL Smooth. I knew of these guys, but I wasn't very familiar with anything about them. So I don't expect most casual hip-hop fans to be too informed on these guys either. But tune in next week to see where they finish, man. Tale of the tapes. Peace. Tale of the tapes. Might as well.